Hey, everybody. Welcome to the SOS Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Welcome aboard. Oh, I'm excited about my guest today, you guys. And I'm excited for you to hear this as well, because I know this has been a bit of a struggle for us. Um, not even pre, uh, pre-pandemic, but certainly now during pandemic, and it will continue to be a bit of a struggle for us, is post-pandemic. And that is finding new staff. Um, finding new staff. So let's talk a little bit about that because I want to share with you guys always in this podcast that the idea behind this podcast is that to help you be able to build your brand so that you can survive, but develop people to be able to thrive. And I can tell you that hiring somebody is one thing, but developing them is a whole nother resource that you have to be able to be 100% committed to in order to have the success that you want to be able to have. And this success that we're talking about is really looking at these five key areas of your business, you know, because they say that the SOS brand is other than save our souls and save our salons, it's a strategic opportunity to success. So it's those three things married together that you'll start to see the level of success as you have. And we talk about it in five different strategic areas. It's sales, operation, marketing, and education. Um, so I'm sorry, sales, operation, mindset, marketing, and education. And today we're talking a little bit about marketing. So how do we market to find the new staff? And also, who are these people that um, we need to start bringing on board to be able to grow our business? So our title today is Recruiting the Next Gen and uh, looking at expanding your crew. Now, I was just at a uh, career fair for a school here in Atlanta yesterday. And it was the first one that that um, we had been invited to. They had done one in the fall that we just weren't aware of. And then uh, in the springtime, they created one. So we were just at it yesterday. And I got to tell you, these students are motivated, they're excited, and they're ready to get to work. Um, but I then looked at the salons and I thought, of all the salons that participated, and it was a small intimate group of people that we pretty much knew from our our local community. But I had to look at, is everybody here that's a salon and are prepared to bring those students to the next level, to get them through that transition from school to success as a stylist in the salon? And part of that um, opportunity is that we're going to look at is part of the ACT theory that I talk about, which is talent acquisition. So we have in a marketing strategy, we have three different really core strategies that you can focus on and really successful businesses focus in, focus on all three of them simultaneously. So one being awareness of the brand. Okay. So, so having a brand identity Two is client acquisition. You're not going to survive without having buying clients within your business. And three is talent acquisition always making sure that you are bringing in that next level, that you're always prepared, that if somebody leaves, you've got somebody else that's coming into your business and being able to grow and expand. And obviously, the more people that you have, the more business that you have, the bigger that you can grow. It it's, has the unlimited potential there. The problem with talent acquisition at this point is that we have to start where we're at now. We have to be able to look at the strategies of how do I hire people? How do I train them? How do I bring them on board? You know, what are these new compensation programs that I need to be looking at um, in order for them to have success, but for me to be able to financially support them getting started? We can't look at the way that we used to do things in the past. 
And I know a lot of concern that comes up for salon owners, um, for me in, in my communications and with my clients that are salon owners, is they feel like, well, I don't want to build them up so that they leave. But I love that quote that um, always talks about, you know, train them to where they want to stay, you know, build a culture to where they actually want to stay. And that is part of the training. It's part of the programming. It's part of um, you being an entrepreneur and being able to grow your business. So here's what, here's my conclusion is that, and I think that my guest is going to certainly uh, relate to this. The next generation is more than competent. They are more than competent to step into the role of working in a salon, being a hairdresser. They're more than competent with some basic skills to be able to help them get started as a stylist or to get them through an intern program or an assistant program. Um, but they need nurturing and they need practice. Just like anytime we learn something new, um, we need to be kind of like somebody to, you know, just kind of keep us going with it and to be able to just keep practicing it because we know that with practice, it makes us perfect uh, or more competent in that sense, maybe not necessarily always perfect. So you have to plan your growth because hiring is kind of one part marketing, one part sales and one part operations. You have to have a plan of what you're going to do to nurture people through. You have to sell them on your business, your culture, your brand, your identity. Um, you know, you're selling them as much on your business as they should be selling you on what they're going to be bringing to your business. And of course, the ultimate goal is how do you be able to market to be able to find um, new stylists? Now, and, and you guys, they're out there. I, I promise you they're out there. We have hired six new people just in the last 90 days a couple of them are assistants that we're nurturing through our, our uh, program, but others are, are qualified stylists that we've been able to um, work with on our product lines, our programming, our culture, um, but ready to get started on the floor. So I know it's possible and I know that they're out there, but you know what, once you hire them, that's part one. Uh, the second part is being able to educate and train them. And uh, my guest today is Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, uh, Kathy, say your last name for me. Kolush. Kolush. Okay, Kolush. Okay, so Kathy Kolush, and she is, because I, I know you always had a, a third name in there. Yeah. Well, that, that was my maiden name. But, uh, okay, perfect. You know, I've been married over 20 years now, so I'll, I can drop that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's time. Yeah, Kathy Kolush. So she's the president and founder of the Studio Academy of Beauty. Um, she has three locations in in Phoenix, Arizona, and in, in the, the, the greater Phoenix area. And she's been not only a phenomenal school owner and nurturing and growing some of our next successful stylists um, through the process, but she's also been very involved um, in you know, the AACS board of directors. She chairs PR committees. She's co-chair of accredi accredi accreditation committees. And she sits on the government relations and state relations committee and leads Arizona state legislative issues. And if you don't know who she is or you're not following her, this is definitely someone that I want you guys to know exists. And I want you to follow her because I think ultimately we are at risk of licensure um, sooner than later. And she, Kathy has been fighting like the Dickens for the last few years to be able to massage what it's going to take to keep licensing, keep quality education intact, but also kind of make sure that there's this 
opportunity for people to get into our industry easily and ultimately stay in our industry and be successful. So welcome, Kathy. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. Yeah. So you were on my other podcast a while back, The Beauty Inside and Out, and we talked a lot of uh, talked about a lot of the legislative issues. So I want to start there first and foremost, because of the amount of time and investment that you put into this, but also the results, the successful results that you've had um, and, you know, the challenges that you had as well to be able to fight for licensure to continue in Arizona. So give us a little brief history of, of what you're up to right now and, and how you're impacting our industry um, and even just in the state of Arizona. Sure, sure. Thank you. Well, it all started about three years ago with the infamous blow-dry bill where Arizona really made the news with the legislator, legislatures wanting to deregulate blow-dry styling. And they really started to diminish our industry as a whole. And, you know, it, it really got a lot of people upset, a lot of the stylists, the, the school owners. And we saw this as an attack on our industry. And so um, other school owners and myself and people from the industry, we got together and listen, the attack had already happened. They had already dropped a bill to deregulate us. And, you know, I got a crash course in, um, in legislature and lawmaking. And I had never even been to the Capitol building. I didn't know who our, our house members were in our districts. I had not paid attention to politics at all. I was busy running schools and helping students. And long story short, we were able to make friends with a couple of house members that believed in our industry because they had it in their family. And that was very key to the first year of us being able to defeat that bill. But it, you know, we were front page of the major newspaper here in Arizona. We were on the news. Mm -hmm. It was big stuff. The governor was involved and it was a little intimidating to, to say the least. Uh, but we defeated it the first year. The second year we came back and we knew they were gonna bring it back. And we're still rookies at this. Uh, we learned a lot the first year and we fought like crazy. We, we, we lobbied, we, I spent a month down at the Capitol building lobbying and meeting with um, representatives and senators. And we thought we had it. And then we realized, oh, there's a very powerful person in the state called the governor that when he wants something, he will go and basically tell the members, I won't sign any of your bills if you don't vote in my direction. So even though we thought the second year we had it defeated, we lost. And so uh, blow dry styling did get deregulated, which uh, really, and also too, who's behind this? It's Goldwater Institute and the Institute for Justice, who are these big think tanks that believe all licensure should be eliminated. And they're all about um, you know, free trade. And if uh, there should be, nothing in place for liability other than if you have something that happens to you, get a lawyer. That's really their, their philosophy. So we all got together and said, okay, we're tired of this. We have to be smarter. We have to be more clever, more strategic. And we decided to go on the offense. And yeah, I've got a sports background. So the best defense is a strong offense. And we created a reform package that is 
pretty monumental that streamlines government, which is part of their philosophy, reduces barrier to entry, which is a big one. Um, they don't want anything that prevents anybody from working. And yet it keeps the quality and the integrity of education, uh, especially with the sanitation and infection control. It, for us, it was the biggest part was merging the barber board and the cosmetology board, which makes it more efficient and really quite honestly makes sense. And a lot of states already out there already have that. And then we compromised a little bit um, because we knew they were going to come at us with lowering hours. And uh, Arizona is a 1600 hour state. We did an analysis and the median number of hours across the country is 1500. So we dropped 100 hours and barbering is 1500. We lowered it to 1200. Um, this allows some flexibility for students now with options to go to school. It would allow beauty schools to be able to have barbering and other like-minded programs in beauty and wellness at their campuses. And there's some other things to it that I won't get into, but th those are the major big ones. And um, we started it last year and we came out of the shoot really strong, got through a house committee and the house floor unanimously, and then COVID hits. So mm -hmm. we got sidelines and we've been waiting for 2021 and we reintroduced it and uh, once again passed through the house unanimously and then just this wednesday i was a little nervous about the senate commerce committee and um and i go and testify at all these meetings because i want to make sure that they really understand what this bill is about and uh, we passed unanimously through the senate committee and then uh, we'll go to the House for, I'm sorry, the Senate for next week. We're going to go the distance this year. It will get signed by the governor. So um, it's, it's a lot of sleepless nights. It's a lot of strategy. It's, it's um, learning how politics really works, mm -hmm. favors. And, um, you know, it took us a few years to figure it out. But um, I would encourage everybody out there to not wait until a bill is dropped that could be detrimental to our industry is to see where you can give and create a bill that might have a small bit of compromise, but it will keep intact our industry with our regulations and standards. So yeah, it's been a journey to say the least. Oh, that, well, thank you, first of all, for all your support and everything that you did in the state of Arizona. You guys are truly an example of how other states can model the, the you know, the collaboration that you had with, with uh, licensed people in the state, the collaboration that you did, like you said, you know, not only were you hanging out there and, and getting familiar with how this whole process worked, but they also know who you are now. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yes, they absolutely know me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, I'm going to take a step back, though, because, because when the blow-dry bill passed, obviously we went into COVID, so there may not be a lot of data on it, but what's your opinion on how it has helped this supposed reducing barrier to entry here? Yeah, so really what's ironic about this is I do keep track of the statistics because one of their bullet points and in their arguments was that 
thousands of people would now be able to get jobs. Young girls would be able to get jobs, um, good paying jobs. And there's been 78 total people um, that have, well, they've, they've gone about it the right way, which they, they are required to take the state sanitation and infection control test class, I should say. I don't even think there's a test. Um, and so they have on, on, uh, on their book 78 people that have done that in a two-year period. So you can see it's really freed thousands of blow dryers across the state of Arizona to, to implant <laughs> it. It's been um, a big zero in, in my books, which is, you know, it, it works out that they, government got something, but yeah. it has not affected us in mm -hmm. really the day-to-days. But what you have to be concerned about is that we were mostly concerned that this was going to be the first of many things, right? Right. They start to pick at us a little bit. And so um, that's why I encourage people across the country to get involved and to contact your house representatives and your senators and let them know. Um, because I, I told all of our students and all of our staff, you can't complain if you're not active, mm -hmm. if you don't raise your voice. And it does make a difference. I learned that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I know that other states this year, there's been like Utah, um, they just passed it in Utah and yeah. they fought like heck, heck too. I mean, they did all the same things. Um, they reached out to us and said, you know, what did you guys do? And they did it and they did it tenfold. And, um, and they were unsuccessful as well. And I said, well, next- For a blow dry bar or a bill to pass? The, yeah, the, for the blow dry. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Now, and, you know, we, we did. We all felt that this was a vulnerable threat to us for future opportunities for them to dismantle our, our licensure, our industry. Um, but I think at the other, uh, the other point of it is, like, blow drying is a skill. You can't just, like, you know, not be trained on blow drying. And I don't care if you go work for a blow dry bar and they train you how to do beachy waves or voluminous, you know, fluff or whatever it is. It is a skill that requires repetitive, repetitive practice to be really good at it. And listen, it's hard work. So nobody wants to be doing that hours in and hours out. So, you know, for those blow dry locations that have had, a, a, you know, some success in their business, good for them. But I think if anything, and I don't know, maybe this is the case for you, Kathy, if anything, it's introducing them to beauty and then for them to see, do I want to make this a career choice and take it all the way? Absolutely. That was, you know, we took away from that. Listen, um, I appreciate anybody that blow dries and styles my hair. I am not a cosmetologist. And so I am very appreciative of the work that they do. And, um, and, and so they're not going to want to do it for years though. Yeah. The yes. money, the real money, and this is no offense to anybody that does blow dry styling specifically for a living, but the real money we know is in the whole cut and color. Right. Right. And so this could whet their appetite or they want more out of life. But I will tell you that the blow dry bars were not behind this in Arizona. Mm. I specifically reached out to the, the, the different blow dry companies out there. And some of them even showed up and testified 
they did not support this. They want licensed stylists. They want to be able to charge $60 or whatever the going price is for a blow dry style. They want to keep their standards up. That's how they're going to stay in business. So the people that are really doing the blow dry styling without going to school are just, I think young girls maybe doing it out of their house or they start their own business or they, mm. they do weddings and they can style. It's not going to be a business setting because they cannot take the liability because there's a whole insurance aspect to it as well. So, um, interesting. Yeah. 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 And, and, and all very valid points on that. Um, and I can, and I, and I do, I do agree with that, that the blow dry bars want licensed professionals because they're in the business to blow dry every 45, 30 to 45 minutes. They're not in the business to be training exactly. people that don't know this skill set. So it does, it does change the dynamics of a business model when you're expected or you assume that they want to hire non-licensed and untrained people like that. So fantastic. Well, thank you again for all your support um, in everything that you're doing to kind of maintain these, this, this PR relations to keeping our industry intact and integral. And nobody thought that, you know, licensing and sanitation and disinfecting was so valid and important until we all came across a pandemic this last year. So you know, it, it, uh, it, our, our industry got a lot of attention last year. Yes, it did. Wanted or not wanted. Yeah. Um, And, and you know what, whether it was good or bad, um, you know, in the end, it did kind of shine the light on us to be able to say that, that we're a valid industry and that licensing was, was one of the wins that I think that we were able to use in being able to open, um, you know, and be a part of that kind of like second tier of essential, um, you know, workers so that we could get back to work because people, people wanted their hair done. I yeah, can tell you that know, here they wanted their hair done. Yeah, my father grew up during the depression and he told me that the, the well-to-do families in his neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York were the barbers. Because mm. when you are out of work looking for work, you need to keep looking good. And, you know, back in the 20s, right? And so um, I thought that was such an interesting comment. So uh, yeah, how many times did we see a lawmaker on TV? Oh, all cleaned they, up. And- they needed a haircut. Or, <laughs> or they Jones. needed a haircut or they were all polished. And it's like, who cut your hair? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And Bon Jovi did a, a song for something and he held up a sign that says needs a haircut. So um, I do believe, and I have mentioned this many times to our legislature is you all realized how important your hairstylist or barber or nail tech uh, was during this time because you were not allowed to get those services. And so I do think that there was a bit of an elevation of our industry in their eyes and they they started to look at it a little bit differently. Anytime you take something away from somebody, they start to realize maybe they should view it a little differently. So I do think that the pandemic worked from a perception perspective in our favor. And on top of that, as you and I were talking, was that there's been no data anywhere, no story where the virus, a breakout came from a salon or a beauty school for that matter. 
And I think that speaks volumes to the care that, that our industry took um, to keep people safe by just really deploying the things that they do every day mm-hmm. and really not doing anything extra. Um, maybe they straightened up a little better more than they did before, but because of what is taught in this industry, it kept people safe. And so um, I do believe that um, people look at our industry with more professionalism than they did. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the number one thing that I was touting last year over and over again from a branding perspective is that safety sells. So you, you have to be selling safety. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and make sure that people understand this because we're touching you. You're in a very close proximity with us for an extended period of time. And it, and a lot of it went against what was, you know, the CDC guidelines of, you know, six feet apart, don't, you know, 15 minutes and all this stuff. And yet here we were, we, you know, in Georgia, we were only closed for five weeks and, you know, we opened up and we had clients clamoring to get back in and catch up on the services that they had missed. Um, and we've continued to stay busy. Of course, business is down across the board. Um, I think kind of like, you know, it certainly had a, a flattened effect to it, but we're still going, we're still going strong. And um, by the time we reach this one year anniversary uh, prior to our shutdown, we will have had in our salon alone, we'll be close to 25,000 clients coming through and zero cases of COVID from our salons. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. And that's what you're selling right now. Yeah, that is absolutely why our clients keep coming back because they saw the safety things that we, that we were doing. They saw the, you know, every precaution that we took um, and, uh, you know, and they wanted their hair done. So it was, it was, it was our pleasure to be providing that service for them again when we realized it was it was a want a desire and a need absolutely you know we we did the same thing at the beauty schools we um, immediately bought acrylic barriers for our esthetician beds we installed the barriers in between our salon stations because you know at a beauty school you you have a lot of people on your floors there and of course we had to go to a hybrid and we had to you know for social distancing but our the biggest the number one priority was to keep our students and our staff safe and then we slowly brought back our clients who were waiting desperately we were very similar to to georgia in that we were only um really shut down for about six weeks yeah so um you know i know other parts of the country so much worse oh it was so much worse yeah we feel very fortunate um and but it was the big part of continuing our business operations was the safety of everything that we were doing and knock on wood um we're as fortunate as you are We've, we've had no no cases or breakouts that says them from our schools. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, that's good. So let's talk about, you know, because COVID obviously is still going to be a big conversation for us and we're going to continue, you know, highlighting it and looking at other safety options and as the vaccine rolls out, how to be able to protect ourselves. But the truth is right now, I think salons need to start recruiting new staff because we've lost a lot of staff. So some of the latest statistics are, one million women have left the workforce as of 2020. So when you think about one million women leaving the workforce, then you know that you know they had childcare issues, they had 
you know, comprom uh, health compromise issues where they couldn't be maybe in the types of work that required them to go to work. Um, not everybody worked in an office that got shut down and got to turn it into a home office type of thing. So we lost a lot of women and, and we'd have to imagine that a, a, a certain percentage of that came from our beauty and wellness um, industry here. So here you are, you're in the beauty school business, you are nurturing, training, educating, and getting them prepared to go to work in salons. Um, and now we're at this point where we need to be hiring some new people. So let's, let's kind of roll into that conversation of what can, what advice would you give salon owners right now in bringing on these students from even a generational a point of view to a you know, how to support them to, to feel more confident to what skills you think that salon owners need to make sure that they're including in this nurturing process? Yeah, great question. Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, I think that patience and care and compassion will go a long way right now. And I, I, Quite honestly, I think that our whole world needs that in everything that we're doing. But when you're dealing with students, patience and compassion goes a long way. Um, I think that students that graduate from beauty school always, pandemic or no pandemic, confidence is always an issue. Um, you're always going to have your small percentage that are going to take the world by storm no matter what. But the majority of them have a, you know, they're, they're scared. And, and with having some of their time cut from the school. Um, Arizona and maybe Georgia might not have been as bad, but we know that California, um, Michigan has been, Washington State's been very challenging. Um, you're doing hybrid instead of four or five days a week in the school, maybe you're only getting two and a half. Um, I do wanna say that I give huge props to beauty schools across the country for pivoting in a week and turning a very hands-on program into online and then hybrid. I mean, it's, it's nothing short of miraculous, quite honestly, that <laughs> you've had to turn everything around to be able to do this, um, sending to-go packs home. I think yeah. salon owners need to know that we didn't just send the students home and set up a Zoom, and we were just doing demos like YouTube videos. We sent them home with supplies. Um, we, we have all the supplies at the school. We're used to buying supplies every week or every month. So we were sending them home with cholesterol and with color and with eyelashes and makeup and everything that they would possibly need. Anything that they would have needed in school, they were going to have at home. And so um, they were still getting practice. They, um, there are all kinds of tricks with taking the camera and they would show the teacher the work. And, you know, listen, we did the best that we could, <laughs> mm. but, but we know that it wasn't perfect. And so um, I think that salon owners need to recognize that, appreciate what the student's commitment to continuing mm. on with school not just the school's commitment, but that the student didn't give up either. And to me, that is an amazing trait to have in an employee because mm -hmm. God knows how many employees I lost during this and teachers that didn't want to be around young, young people when they came back. 
Um, I've, I've probably hired 20 new teachers, right? So um, those 1 million women, some of them came from my school, no right? Doubt. And other schools across the country, they were teachers in the industry. And so I would say, you know, look at the strong soft skills that the students have right now and build upon that because you will eventually get them to be a better hair cutter, um, a better colorist, you know, formulator. Um, that comes with time, but really it's the stick to that we need to have in our young people these days to not give up. I've told our students, if you can make it through this, which you have, there is not one challenge that you cannot overcome in your future. So if, if, a, if a, a catastrophic event happens at your salon and you have nurtured the student to believe in themselves the way that they got through the pandemic, they will weather that storm with you. And I think that you can really harness loyalty and commitment from them. Mm. And I think that just even without COVID, times are challenging right now with people. Mm-hmm. We have to be sensitive to all of them. And so I think that um, the, the best way is to build that really strong bond. Um, you know, they say that employees leave because they don't have a good bond to their employer and students leave school because they lost the bond with the school. Yeah. And, and so I think that, that, you know, bringing in this next generation is, um, and I know that sometimes I'm challenged with this because it's come to work every day, be on time, just do your job. But the, having the flexibility um, towards them has, has worked better for us. Um, and to ask them how they feel about the pandemic and, and to ask them where they think that they need the most help. And encourage management work. I would say um, when they're brand new coming out of school, um, maybe have a, um, a few model days where they bring in friends and family, give them a 50% discount, whatever, um, to, to really encourage them to practice and that it's not under an evil eye for a reason to get rid of them, but it's a reason to help to continue to build them up. I love that you said that, that kind of stick to Like when we were talking at the career fair yesterday, there was the group of students that are now graduating that were through the pandemic. So they were home online, then kind of had to hybrid their way back in until it was kind of more of like they could finish out in a, in a, in their full on capacity. And they said, we went through everything, but when we came back, we literally went through it again. And we're so grateful that we got that additional time in education because we really feel like we might've missed some foundational pieces to grow. So they recognize that they, and, and you know what, they were very proud of themselves in saying we did it, we did it, you know? Um, And then you could hear like, then the next class came in that's maybe midway through their program. Not, not quite that same level of commitment and loyalty yet, but still under the guidelines of being in the pandemic, they are recognizing the, the value of this industry, but also, you know, the challenges of this industry as well. So I, I loved everything you just said. Um, and I think that salon owners really need to understand too that, that 
we are, we have to make sure that once we've hired people, that there is a plan, a strategy in place that is then going to nurture them to that level of success that they need. And I know that the salons that have that at play and have that in place and utilize, you know, that type of additional training and nurturing are the ones that are still going to stay in business that bounced back from this pandemic are going to stay in business and are going to be in business in the future. Absolutely. You know, um, the students aren't necessarily going to know how to make that plan. Yeah. And they get, they get a little nervous when you say strategic plan, <laughs> diversify, execute, right? <laughs> the business terms. And so, um, you know, you have to just kind of take a step back and just help them understand what the plan is um, and, and help them with it and say that this is what we're going to do this week. This is what we're going to do next week. And, and really sit down and help them make their goals. Because listen, that investment that the salon makes in those um, individuals is going to pay off for them Tenfold. down the road. And it doesn't, it's not a year down the road. It's going to be pretty quick. Yeah. So say take, taking that one hour of your time to help this new person, um, yeah, will reap its benefits for sure. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing from my clients and other salon owners is that um, they're getting a lot of new clients. So under this guise of everything that we went through this last year, the interesting part that happened was that it gave clients freedom to try somewhere else, try a new salon. Maybe some of their salons went out of business. Um, maybe some of their stylists were part of that million, you know, person, million women, you know, going home. So there was, there's a lot of transitioning right now, which gives salons that, that wonderful opportunity to capture some new business and also capture some new team members to be able to grow with the business as we're all rebuilding. So I think that's, I think that's really fantastic. I, yeah, I would say when it comes to the salons, when they're looking is to absolutely take advantage of the career fairs mm -hmm. at the schools. We hold two a year. You were just at one the other day. Um, I would also reach out to the schools and ask them if they want to do a campus tour or a, a, I'm sorry, a student tour at their salon. We did virtual tours during Mm -hmm. uh, well, we're still doing them because we're not really, we can't really take a bunch of students in at one time. So we do a virtual and the, the salon owner will walk around and show them the salon. And then our students can ask questions just as if they were in person. So I would say student tours, open houses, definitely go to the career fairs. The schools want you there. Yeah. You know, they, their commitment to the students, students is they're going to help them find a job upon graduation. And so they are looking, and if you're not comfortable doing them in person, you can always do it virtually. Oh, um, I think that, that, yeah, yeah that's, that's fantastic. Cause we've always had kind of an open house that anytime, you know, anytime you can come in on Thursdays from 10 to 12 and pop in, uh, if you're interested in working with us. And now we have to kind of manage that a little bit. If you're interested, please call or text us in advance so that we can make sure that we can accommodate you, um, you know, based on the number of people that we have in the salon with capacity guidelines. Um, but usually at this point, it's one or two. So it's very manageable. 
Um, and, you know, but I love the idea of the relationship with the schools and we're looking forward to getting out to more schools. And even in between that time when they weren't doing career fairs here, I was sending, you know, flyers and PDFs saying, hey, we're looking and the schools were like, thank you so much for sending this over. Like, because, you know, they're busy trying to create this, you know, hybrid online learning process happening here. They, they really didn't have time to be reaching out to sal salons and going, hey, you know, you guys, you know, looking for some new recruits. We've got some graduates coming up here. So I, I really applaud all the schools for everything that they did. Like you said, it was miraculous. And, um, and most businesses, most of the businesses in our industry did some miraculous things to be able to get back into business, stay in business and be safe in their business. Um, because it was important that we took care of not only our teams, but our communities. You know, we did not, none of us, not one salon wanted to be the face of being a COVID spreader. Right. So we took, we took the sanitation and disinfecting processes very seriously. And even now, like I went and got my hair done yesterday. And even now it's like, you know, I, I'm in the salon. I'm part of the salon team, but I loved that my stylist, she said, Bonnie, go ahead and meet me back at the chair. I'm going to go ahead and sanitize the shampoo area now. Yeah. Like she didn't have to say that to me, but she's so programmed to say these things so that the client is aware of all of the efforts and energy we're putting into keeping them safe. So, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Kathy, I want to talk with you again for sure. And I want to keep in touch with everything that's going on in Arizona. Um, so please, you know, keep me in, 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 uh, in the loop of how things are progressing there. Um, and I, and I know that other States are up against some challenges right now. So you guys, please, Kathy, give us your, um, give us how people can find you, follow you, reach out to you if they need to. Yeah, I, I um, just on my, I guess my Facebook page, I really don't have a Instagram. I'm, I'm not a huge social media person. I, I leave that to my school because I'm not a cosmetologist. I don't have pictures <laughs> to show. So I, I do have a personal Facebook page, Kathy Kolush. Um, and, you know, and then you can find the Studio Academy of Beauty, um, the schools on all the, all the social medias. You know, I just, um, I just think our industry has risen to the challenge. Um, I could not be more proud of the people in, in our industry. And we just have to keep taking one step forward, pushing through as the vaccines are rolling out, mm -hmm. things are getting better. But, um, you know, I feel that we still need to keep our measures in place and to keep everybody safe and um and we will get to the other side of this yeah i mean and, agreed and, agreed yeah. and and partly because we are touching people and we are in close proximity and we are with them for more than 15 minutes so all of those things are still very valid in you know managing the the spread of of covid and protecting ourselves and others so you know keeping all of that intact it, it it's i i think it's i <laughs> Honestly, I think it's been a bit of a positive, um, you know, because we've typically where we have cycles where clients come in unwell and stylists end up getting sick or stylists come in unwell. You know, you always have that cycle of that flu season, cold season type of thing that happens. And we didn't have any of that happening. Yeah. You know? And, and right. including not having COVID and everything. So, you know, I, I just wanted to mention too, I know we're wrapping up is that 
it was unbelievable the way that the industry and, and maybe some of the people that are listening to this stepped up to provide content to the schools mm-hmm. um, when we were all on Zoom and we were, you know, trying to figure things out. It was unbelievably beneficial. It helped our teachers out. It took a little pressure off. And I know that, that, that really probably the majority of all schools across the country told all the students, because this is what we told ours, you're going to get everything you need from us. We're throwing the rules out, right? I mean, these are crazy times, once in a lifetime. And so maybe you hit your hours, but you didn't get good haircutting. You're going to stay and get good haircutting. You know, you are more than welcome to stay as long as you feel that you need to, so that when you leave and go to work, you feel good about it. And I think oh, that, awesome. that salon owners need to know that really most schools did that to make sure that when they left the school and moved on to their profession, that, um, that they were going to have a level of competency. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Because, because it just, you know, you, you, 1600 hours or 1500 hours, whatever it ends up being, it doesn't mean that the learning doesn't stop. Right. And, you know, and the, the confidence, remains and the competency grows. So all of that was very valid. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and to oh, all the school welcome. owners out there that are listening, thank you for all your support and keeping everything going. Cause, cause obviously we all need each other mm-hmm. and, you know, and as we're in this rebuilding process, the, these students, this next generation of students coming through are um, I think they have tremendous opportunity to be able to, um, find a great home and nurture and grow a fabulous business as a hairstylist. So, or a statistician or, or whatever that role is that you're playing in beauty. So I think it's fantastic. Perfect. You guys. All right. Now we talked about recruiting. We talked about building all this. I want to let you guys know that I did a, a five day um, boot camp called SOS Hiring Boot Camp, and it's all online now. So it's on demand. Fabulous opportunity to be able to get the information that you need in order to how you're going to produce ads, how you're going, where where are you going to put ads to find them, what you need to do in regards to relationships with beauty schools to be able to nurture them. Everything that you need to know on hiring uh, some new staff is in the SOS Hiring course that I have online. For only $47, so right now we're doing a special on it, but I also have a VIP package available for you as well at $97, and that gives you a phone call with me to be able to help you put together that strategy that's going to work for you. Where do you, what do you need? Do you need somebody that's maybe a little bit more experienced? Can you nurture a student that maybe just graduated to this next phase? We'll put that strategy together for you, how you can find these people and start in the rebuilding process of growing your salon. So Kathy, thanks so much for being here. So I'm just, you guys, it's Kathy with a C, C-A-T-H-Y and uh, K-O-L-U-C-H. That's her Facebook page. Um, you know, reach out to her there if you have questions or you want to just say thank you for everything that you're doing. And, and But pay attention. Pay attention to what she's been up to because she's done some fabulous things in Arizona. I think she could be a big help for states that might be challenged with what's coming down the road. So, all right. Appreciate you being here. Remember, it's we're all about building brands to help people survive and developing people to help them to thrive. And Kathy's one of them. Kathy's a thriver. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you.